Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. It is October 27th. Halloween right around the corner. Maybe parties, activities going on this weekend. Maybe for you, for your kids, for other family members going on in the neighborhood. Ever gone to a party and then uh, someone says... Hey, you know what? Uh, we've got a psychic coming, or we're gonna we're gonna talk with, or we're gonna do a séance, we're gonna do something, or talk to. Uh, maybe you get a chance for you to talk to your loved ones who have gone on before you, who have transported to the other side, to the other realm, and wondered what is that all about? What is that like? Is that a good idea? The Reverend Dr. Robert H. Bennett, director of Luther Academy, author of Afraid, Demon Possession, and Spiritual Warfare in America, and I am not afraid. Uh, the Dr. Robert H. Bennett, our guest today to help us talk about uh, dearly departed or dangerous, deceiving demons. Dr. Bennett, welcome back to Faith and Family. Oh, it's good to be with you, Andy. Thanks for being our guest today. How are things going at Luther Academy and all that writing you're doing as well, keeping us uh, on our toes with uh, talking about demons, demon possession, spiritual warfare in America. How you been? Oh, Luther Academy is keeping me running around the world. I'm on my way to Denmark tomorrow for a conference, and then straight from there to the Philippines. Um, Many wonderful things happening. We're reaching pastors all over the world and providing them outstanding theological resources and professors and just continuing to work so they can give a faithful witness to the people that they they are called to care for. And writing, working Mm -hmm. on another book, should be out next year what, on some more topics. What prompted you to uh, to write about this topic, demon possession, spiritual warfare in America? What what got you interested in, in uh, to do research and, and, and to write on this topic? Well, the, the first book really kind of pushed me into the second book. The, the first book was really kind of unintended. Um, I went out to study conversion and parts of Africa and Madagascar, where the churches are growing very quickly and ran into this understanding of spiritual warfare and exorcism. The Afraid book that um, very well received recently um, was a response because I had so many people who were contacting me after reading the first book um, asking me about situations that they were dealing with, and the majority of them were Lutheran pastors who were calling about problems that they were facing in their congregations. And so as a result of that, I wrote the second book that really kind of gets to all the points that I would say if somebody called me. So, Wow. Well, how would you describe, you get to travel around the world and, and help bring that good news of Jesus to people all around the world. And so you see this in a lot of cultures. Let's start with American culture. How would you say in American culture, what's our view of ghosts? What are our our ideas about ghosts? You know, there's, uh, I remember as a kid, Casper the Friendly Ghost, a cartoon for kids and books for kids. But uh, but then there are also more the, the scary things. And, and we also think about, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you go to a Halloween party or something like that. And people say, oh, we're, we're, we're going to have a psychic there, a medium, so maybe you can talk to some of your loved ones who have gone on before. What is our view as Americans of ghosts? I think the majority of Americans um, have what I would understand to be a wrong understanding of ghosts. They believe that people have died and as a result of their death continue to, to uh, function on the earth, whether uh, talking or causing problems or whatever the case is. And that's a very common belief, even amongst people who who would not really consider themselves to be, you know, very spiritually active. Um, there's still a, 
understanding of, of ghosts in our society. And, of course, you have the, 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 the fun aspect of it, as you mentioned, with Casper the Friendly Ghost and you know, a number of the TV programs and the Ghostbusters and, and all those type of things. So, so it is a common experience in our society. I, I think it's, it's easier to believe in ghosts, and, and not necessarily the ghosts, that's uh, interacting with you, but many people believe through mediums and seances and things like that, that while they, they can't actually see their, their loved one or the person they're trying to reach, that they feel that they can somehow contact them through this medium on the other side, that, uh, as they would call it. What about in our, in our film and literature, you know, movies and, and literature, you know, how are ghosts depicted in in that? Is that a you think a reflection of of how we what we believe about ghosts as Americans? Oh, I think so. But there's just about as many de- depictions as you could possibly imagine <laughs> from from you know ghosts being a very positive thing and a way for us to continue to commune with the the, the people that we've lost in this world um, to a cartoonish type of ghost until. And then even very evil and disastrous ones. There's always, at this time of year especially, there's always uh, various movies coming out about haunted houses and and uh, phenomena like that. Yeah, it is that time as well. Even uh, haunted houses, uh, you know, big scary attractions that uh, that even uh, you know the, where we we fantasize about this. We're we're so intrigued and fascinated with this phenomenon of paranormal. You think? We are, and, and it's actually probably one of the more popular um, things you'll find on, on television uh, as well. Um, there's too many of the TV programs you even keep track of now with paranormal investigators and those who are trying to record uh, ghost activity. And it's really, it really seems like it's everywhere we turn around these days. Well, yeah, just I, you know, on the, the, the big screen this past year, uh, the remake of the film Ghostbusters. Was, uh, that was a, a big hit back in the 80s, and and uh, it was, well, I think it received some attention this year as well. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So what what about in other cultures? We've talked about, you know, American culture. What about other cultures? You said that was, in, in another culture, that was where what really prompted you to, to study and, and write about this. Sure. Um, outside of the Western cultures, when you get into more animistic cultures and more traditional religions, um, <clears throat> ghosts are a part of the everyday existence. They believe that the ancestors who have died, um, while they're not physically there in their bodies interacting with people, nevertheless, they are in some type of, of heavenly sphere where they can continue to live their lives out in this world in a very spiritual way and continue on much like they had before and and also as a part of that to interact with the the living either by bringing them um, joy and um, and and uh, fortune or by bringing them uh, terror and misfortune what do the scriptures say of ghosts if anything there's really not much in the scriptures uh, about ghosts. Uh, we have the apostles, of course, who who take Jesus as a ghost as he's walking out on the water, but that's more of a reflection of their culture, not in any way justifying that there are ghosts. 
Um, you know, you, the only the only other accounts that come to mind, of course, is you have um, uh, the spirit of the prophet who is conjured up to talk to um, to um, Saul, um, and there's a lot of contention over if that's actually the spirit of of, of the prophet or if that is a demon pretending to be the prophet. Uh, we'll save that argument for other time. Uh, and then, of course, you have the uh, the, um, the transfiguration. You have Moses and Elijah there with Jesus uh, on the Mount of, of Transfiguration, um, talking to him. But none of these are actual um, texts that we can look to and say, look, there are ghosts because of that, because the context of the text is very clear that that um, especially with the the transfiguration that um, you know heaven is touching earth at this point um, and then there's not ghosts active in the world but there Jesus is having a conversation. So, do we know if ghosts are? Who they claim to be, you know, we, we see this in movies, but, you know, for those, that, or, or even on TV or other places, maybe a psychic or a medium talking, to quote-unquote, communicating with the dead or with a ghost, are they who they claim to be? Well, no, actually, our, our Lutheran confessions even uh, talk on this particular topic here. Uh, Luther, in his small called articles, uh, gives warning uh, of what was happening at his time as um, spirits would appear as uh, as those who departed in the faith, you know, for instance, uh, someone's, you know, father or mother or husband or wife, and then they would demand masses for themselves. They would tell, you must go and, and provide the mass for me, I'm struggling here in purgatory and the like. So this actually even shows up in our, in our Lutheran Confessions. And we see these things all over. As I visit congregations, which I do quite a bit, um, whenever I talk about this topic, I almost in every case, I mean, there's a rare exception that I will make someone upset with me because they believe that um, they are being visited by one of their loved ones, and they take great comfort in that. And my response is that no, uh, it's appointed once for a man to die, and then the judgment. We either go to be with the Lord, awaiting the resurrection of all flesh, or we go um, to hell, awaiting the eternal hell to come. Scripture doesn't give us any additional uh, ways to view this. And so this is very common, and it's something that is more common than most of us would expect. Like I said, I'm talking to Lutheran congregations, and almost every Lutheran congregation I talk, there's always somebody who will come up at the end of the, uh, the time and be quite upset with me, because I've said, these people who are coming to you, representing themselves to you as, as family members or whoever, that's not who they are. Who? They're, they're, that's not who they are. Who might it be, then? Well, under uh, these cases, when, when people uh, report seeing um, the dead coming to speaking to them, and, and likewise, um, I always talk about it, it really comes down to three categories. Uh, one is imagination. Sometimes people just imagine these things. Um, the other is uh, mental illness, or uh, connected to that could be uh, uh, drug-related uh, uh, episodes and things like that. And the third one is it's demonic. So it's either imagination, something related to our brain chemistry, or it's demonic, it's not a loved one. 
uh, just as Luz reminded us um, in the small cult articles, that the, the devil is always seeking to deceive us. And in times of, of great remorse, um, in times of despair sometimes as we face, uh, as people we love die, we're very open to to looking for a sign or, or receiving something, and the devil is very crafty at coming in and representing himself as that which we want. So as a... As a as a pastor, as a theologian, what do you share with that person who is so so deeply distraught over losing a loved one, whether it was recently or a long time ago, and they're they're just so deeply moved that this was truly a message from their loved one who's telling them that everything's going to be okay. They're thoroughly convinced that it's their loved one, and uh, anyone who tells them differently is is not telling them the the truth. How do you how would you handle that as a as a pastor? As as one who speaks the the truth from God's word, right. It's one of the things you have to handle very gently because, as you mentioned, they do find comfort in these things. And so, whenever I deal with them, I do handle it very gently. Um, you know, first off, we, you have to remind them that if their loved one was a Christian, which is in most of the cases the people that I that I deal with. Um, that they're they're with the Lord. They're they're experiencing the the joys of, of heaven, which Saint Paul tells us is greater than anything we could experience in this life, uh, waiting for the resurrection. And so, um, we would want to think of them as having to stay active here uh, in and on the earth in the, in the veil of sin and, and problems that that's around us, and that we take our comfort in Jesus, not in uh, in our loved ones. But at the same time, uh, I would also remind them that you know, if these things are occurring, they need to talk to these spirits um, about Jesus and and see uh, how these spirits respond um, when they're asked if Jesus is Lord, if Jesus died and rose again for the, for the salvation of the world, and, and likewise, or even say, depart in the name of Jesus and see what happens. And, and I have heard from people who have done that, and they said, well, right away the, the thing left. Um, so it's a, it's a touchy subject. Once again, it's a subject that most people, I think, defined as fantasy or fiction, and yet with the number of people who report these things, um, it, it's difficult to, to just kind of push them all off as just imagination or, or mental issue, especially when we have... Uh, the testament of, of our Lutheran fathers and others telling us that it happened in their time as well. So this isn't a new phenomenon by any means? No, nothing at all. It's, it's, it's always been uh, a part of our culture. What You mentioned our, our confessions. What does the catechism, the small catechism, teach us regarding this, this conjuring of ghosts or communicating with those who have died? Well, uh, you know, one of the things that comes to mind very quickly, of course, is the second commandment, and and the uh, answer to that that second commandment when we are uh, reminded that we should not just curse or swear or use witchcraft or satanic arts, depending on on, on the version that we're looking at. So already there at the beginning of the commandment, we we have these warnings, but Scripture provides some very severe warnings uh, to those who are trying to communicate with the dead. And uh, Scripture, they are called necromancers, and uh, especially in the Old Testament and, and places like Leviticus, 
I think it's Leviticus 20 and Deuteronomy 18, um, there's strong warnings that that no one should be involved in these type of um, actions and that they're actually abominations to God to, to try to do such things. And, and at that time, the, um, the uh, judgment for doing those was quite extreme. So, so we have Scripture and the Old Testament being very clear about this. We have St. Paul who reminds us that you know, the devil will appear as an angel of light, uh, that he'll, he'll come and he'll appear in ways that we want him to, to appear, to, to lead us astray. So, so I think Scripture is pretty clear that this should not be something that we toy with, even if we don't believe uh, necessarily these things, because many people, they go and they seek out mediums and be a part of seances just for the fun of it. So, hey, let's see what happens without recognizing how severely um, God deals with this in His Word. Do you have any examples that that might illustrate that for us? Of... Uh, in which, oh, as people who... Well, the the, um, <clears throat> the book uh, Afraid that I, that I have out actually has quite a number uh, of such examples. Um, one story was uh, the, the family uh, who were a wonderful, faithful, church-going family who thought that they had two children ghosts in their home. And uh, the reason they thought that is before they had bought the house, the previous house had burned down and two children had died there. And so it was kind of the, the fable of the, of the village uh, where they lived. And, and so when things started going a little strange in their house, they, they thought, well, this must be the, 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 these children. Uh, but after a while, it became quite obvious that it wasn't children. Uh, it was something uh, much deeper and darker than that. And um, eventually they had to contact their pastor and, and have an exorcism of their home, and, and they're doing quite well now. But that's an example how the devil can kind of swoop in in the midst of a myth or a story because we're kind of open to it, and then enter in. So with those who have departed uh, from us, we're open because we, we just miss them so desperately. And in these other cases, um, we're just very uh, very easy to contact um, because of our us falling into these lies that are around us. So it really starts with something quite seemingly innocent, a, a very simple story, maybe when we are... Uh, emotionally vulnerable because we've lost a loved one. Yeah, the devil always seems to uh, attack us when we are in a weakened position, whether that means in a weakened uh, mental position or an emotional position or or whatever the case is. Um, Even when we're we're dealing with troubles in the world, uh, many times uh, that's where we're at our weakest, and that's where the devil sneaks in and the demons to to try to get a foothold. Hmm. You know, the uh, just thinking of as a kid, you know, being exposed to things like Ouija boards, you know, in like junior high, that was, I think in the, the 80s, the, the, the late 80s and, and early 90s, that was, that was big. There was even a movie around that time as well. And, you know, watching friends use those, uh, and certainly not very wise, I wouldn't ad- advise this by any means, but based on my own experience, watching friends use those and, and you know, trying to, to communicate with the dead and you know they would say they were talking with spirits they wouldn't necessarily use the word demons because that sounds dangerous right but uh say they were talking with with spirits and the the it was it was really quite interesting because 
it would pull up things that only one or two people in the room might know that may or may not have been, you know, actually touching the the device at that time. It was really just, you know, thinking back, wow. Uh, certainly something uh, I, I've repented of. I pray those who are also in, in, uh, involved with have, have repented of and, and seen uh, the danger of it. I mean, it's just, it's so convincing when, when it's, you know, you can start hearing information that maybe only one or two people, no one else would know, only one or two people would know. Isn't that interesting how, you know, how demonic that is, that it can take something that only one or two... Now, how could anybody else know that? Yeah, so I'm mean, trying to answer these questions, I think, is very difficult. And even the Ouija board itself, remember, there's nothing inherently scary about a Ouija board. It's just made out of plastic or wood. It's what we do with it. And so it's, it's really this understanding of, of trying to connect with with the, um, those who are dead or or to somehow divine um, future events and likewise. And so um, while the Ouija board obviously is something that we don't want to, to be, take part in, it's also we shouldn't give it any mystical power in itself, you know, by sitting in a box of a store or something. Um, anything we use to try to communicate with the dead, to, to divine future and, and, and fortune, is, is all coming out of the occult and is all uh, clearly condemned um, by our faith and um, and should be something that we should avoid. Words for those who have uh, who have who have given into this temptation before. What uh, what words would you share with those who have who or who maybe still struggle with it today? Well, we, we have Jesus promised that uh, he has defeated sin, death and the devil. Um, he's the one who stands there, um, who who uh, promises to be with us, to strengthen us, to protect us, to rescue us. And so we simply, as we do uh, in all other aspects of our lives, um, we, we sin, uh, and as a result of that, we repent and, and trust the gospel, whether that's uh, because I'm lying to somebody or or are doing some other physical or, or other act to them, or or using a Ouija board. Um, this is all sin, and um, the Lord is one who stands there waiting um, and actually bringing and delivering uh, repentance um, um, to us and the promise of of peace and, and joy with Him. Now, certainly, uh, the you know, go to your pastor if this is something you're struggling with. Seek uh, counsel and confession and forgiveness as well. Other resources you might point us to? Uh, certainly your books? Uh, of course. Um, take a look at either the Afraid uh, or the I Am Not Afraid book. The I Am Not Afraid book is quite interesting, I think, for folks because it actually plots through Lutheran history. Um, how our Lutheran fathers, uh, including Luther and C.F.W. Walter and others, uh, spoke about the topic, um, some exegetical treatments of the topic, and then the Afraid book for real stories of, of how the gospel was able to free people who were who are falling into these lies and, and fear of the devil. Got a new book that will be coming out next year. The title will be Fear and Lies, Unmasking the Devil. And that will look specifically at things in culture, how things in culture um, are used by, by, by evil to lead us astray, to make us afraid and to ultimately control us as well, even though it should really have no power over us, that we believe a lie, um, nevertheless, that, that provides power. 
So those are a few resources. Of course, our Lutheran hymnal is probably one of the best ones. Uh, in my book, Afraid, I give a list of all the hymns in the back that are, yeah. I say, are exorcistic in nature. And um, so take a look at that. You, would, you wouldn't believe just the hymns we sing on every Sunday, how, how beautiful those are. And our ultimate protection in any of these cases is always Jesus. He has promised to be with us in His very body and blood, divine service. He's promised to be with us um, in our baptism. Actually, He's who does the baptism. And, and ultimately, where His Word is proclaimed and read, there is Jesus in our midst. And uh, where Jesus is, the devil does not want to... Uh, to be. And so our greatest protection is in Jesus, who promises to be with us in such a, an intimate and, and personal way. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Bennett, for being my guest today. Well, thank you for having me. Friday at this time, Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.